Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Chris Lance. Chris is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization that happens to be the home of the Sourcing Hero. Chris is my most regular guest, and he joins me once a month to talk about current events and what they mean to procurement and sourcing professionals. So, hey, Chris, welcome back. Happy to be here. Hi, Kelly. So you and I are sitting down mid-October. I always feel like it's good to draw a little bit of a line in the sand when we're doing all these current events things. Um, And if there's anything we know is coming for sure, it's Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we think about the overwhelming number of news headlines that we're both following, mm-hmm. which ones would you say are tricks and which ones would you say are treats? Ooh, so that's good. Um, well, I think the very real one that is not a treat um, would be, and it's in line with Halloween, is I'm seeing more and more uh, reporting kind of around this fentanyl crisis and yeah. how it looks like candy. And so whoever's listening... You know, make sure make sure you're checking your kids' candy. I think that everybody <laughs> kind of knows that. But um, the freeze alerts, I saw that there were some freeze alerts being kind of issued out. So also in line with the season, you know, tis the season. It's going to mm-hmm. get cooler out. Um, I don't know. There's been a lot of tricks, a lot of kind of nasty things in the headlines. It's everything that's come into mind. There was that very tragic uh, issue out in North Carolina. Um, the, there was a shooting. The, I think it was a... 15-year-old um, with a shotgun. It's absolutely tragic. Um, I guess I could say this is kind of a treat. I don't know that it's a good thing, but I've been reading a lot, and it's it's not everywhere, but it's out there if you just do a search, but China having police stations um, in other countries like the US and Canada, and then something you and I have discussed also in the past, Kelly, um, there's the United Nations World Food Pro- Program Director yeah. issued a warning about food availability. Um, but what struck me was the exact words were, it will be hell on earth for 2023 uh, due to fertilizer issues, um, which we know there's you know, a lot of other factors that would play into that as well. And then kind of the run of the mill news, I would say, not that it's not important, but you know, there's Everything is, at least here in the States, you know, from a, a regional perspective, there's a lot of election and voting news. Yes. And and then I think everybody in the world is kind of just watching what's going on with whether it's China, Russia, North Korea. There's just a lot going on uh, geopolitically. So, Yeah. And I'll say here in Massachusetts, we have a number of statewide ballot questions that are not only really big and pivotal, but there's also a lot of money behind them. Mm. And so- you get to the point where you're watching television and you just long for a cereal commercial yeah, or <laughs> a commercial about, I don't know, buying stocks or yeah. car insurance or like, okay, where's flow, right? Like we just, <laughs> yeah. we need like a funny commercial, something that's it's not some political thing being shoved down our throat. So yeah, I think, you know what? I think there's fatigue. Mm. I think there's just 
you know, we've talked about in the past webinar fatigue or Zoom meeting fatigue, or, you know, we're all tired of the disruptions and the, and the instability, but oh my gosh, there's just like everything fatigue right now. There's so much going on. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely exhausting just to even keep up with some of it, let alone to really know the, the intricacies is so much. Yeah. Now, the thing that you and I are going to talk about as our central topic today really does run through the center of everything. Um, and that's the global energy supply. So it's it's very complicated. In some cases, you have you know gas being used to create electricity, or you have nuclear used to being create electricity. So there's a lot of different forms, and there's a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. And I'll speak for my area. It's starting to look like this is going to be a very long, cold winter mm. because between vehicle fuel and the cost of gas to cook and heat people's homes, I think there's there's very real concern. And a lot of it, we're looking to governments to get involved to ensure that supply is there to meet demand at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And so one of those, I'll say this is a nasty news story that we've been watching is what's going on with Europe's Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, now, there's been several leaks. I'm doing air quotes on the podcast here. There are multiple parallel investigations going on because the charge has been sabotaged, that these were not natural accidental leaks, that someone is deliberately doing damage to the Nord Stream pipeline. And Europe's already under pressure pressure because of the situation with Russia and and Ukraine and them being an energy provider. Uh, Germany, in fact, this past week had to turn to France to get help with energy sourcing. Um, So I'd be curious for your take, whether it's, you know, how Europe is going to handle this as a trading block, whether you have any gut sense based on what you've read about what's going on with the Nord Stream pipeline. Um, I know we're in the U.S. looking across the pond, but so what's your perspective on this particular energy issue? Yeah, so I'm not I'm not really sure where to start, you know, because if this wasn't so important, and I would argue if it wasn't inevitably going to be so sad, yeah. it would probably be hilarious. I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I, I look at these headlines and it's, I feel like this could be a, the situation could be a kind of a sitcom, but, you know, as 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 it pertains to the the Nord Stream and, and the sabotage, what I see is a lot of also back and forth of, well, who did it? And, it, you know, for me, not that I have the answers, right? But it's like, well, you ask the question, who stands to benefit from it? Right. Um, and so I don't really have much more to say beyond that. But the t- <laughs> I think that the timing made it abundantly clear. It wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable saying that was an error. Um, I also read in, in one of the articles, um, but I think one of the Swedish teams who did an investigation, they just outright said, well, we're not sharing the information with Russia. And I'm just like, well, my goodness, like if you're going to perform an investigation to find out what happened, wh- why wouldn't you share that information with all necessary parties? Yeah. And so it again, you kind of go down to some rabbit holes there. And it's just, I don't know. I, for me, what, what really struck me is most, let's just call it an accident. It, it kind of, for me it shows how dangerous all of this posturing really is because I would say, you know, kinetic wars have been started over mistakes in the past. And so I think that whether this was a sabotage, whether this was an accident or an error or a mistake, there are very real, very real 
conversations and posturing and things, I'll just say, going on that it's not heading in a very positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the thing that you hit on, which I thought was really interesting, was you know France looking to help Germany because I think they're powered uh, through nuclear. And I think that's awesome, you know, but it begs the question, like, are they, are they as a country truly in a position to offer help? Um, I think it was 25 out of 56, almost just under half of the reactors are currently shut down for maintenance, which I think they also said they'll be up in time, you know, for winter. Um, And so again, maintenance, that was expected, but I still think that the conservation of natural gas is going to almost have to be needed. Um, When you look at the amount of, uh, I guess, gas that France would be able to provide or natural gas, it's 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 almost negligible to what Germany's true benefit, I would say, would really be. And you're seeing civilians, like, it's just, again, it's so sad, but stockpiling wood, like firewood. Um, and then that's just on a very, you know, civilian, um, just everybody, right? Just how it applies on just a, a, its face value. What I don't think is really being taken into account is what you said in the beginning is what this means for everything else, um, how businesses are going to be impacted by this, whether it's the availability of energy or just simply put the price. Um, you know, like we've everybody's been discussing inflation. Um, and if the cost to make goods, whether it's through manufacturing or to produce foods continues to rise, well, then so so will the so will the price. Absolutely. And this isn't just a European problem. Mm -mm. I mean, it made news last week. We've got an issue going on that affects us very directly here in the US that OPEC has made the decision to go ahead and cut production levels because it's in their best interests, despite the fact that the Biden administration has asked them to either not cut production or delay their production cuts. Uh, And so it's leaving the U.S. trying to figure out where else to turn. Now, one complicated potential place they can turn is Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Their economy and society even have effectively been ruined over the last few years. They went from being an incredibly prosperous nation to really bottoming out and dealing with issues of starvation and, and societal breakdown. And so in order for us to work with them and with the Maduro regime specifically, we would have to roll back sanctions. So now you're put in a situation where you're saying, okay, we don't recognize him as the rightful leader of this country. And yet how badly do we want this oil supply? These are very difficult trade-offs and it's coming up in other areas. In fact, the issue of immigration from Venezuela came up in a deal between the US and Mexico last week. Mm -hmm. And so now there's sort of this chip it play where any place Venezuela comes up, whether it's directly about energy, whether it's about sanctions, whether it's about immigration, anytime they come up, we have to think about how it might affect our ability to get energy from them if we really need to. I mean, it is just as complicated here as the issue that Europe is dealing with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've seemingly painted ourselves into a corner and you know, I would say rather than saying, hey, you know, we've made some mistakes, let's roll some things back, let's undo some undo some things. It almost seems like we're digging our heels in and saying, nope, this is the way. Let's, you know, let's keep moving forward. Um, but I, I I personally wasn't necessarily surprised by the stance that um 
Saudi Arabia, you know, and, and others took because I think it was in, no, it was back in 2021. And I don't know if this was main news or if we even got to, an opportunity to touch on it, <laughs> Kelly, but, you know, the, the petrodollar, like the United States dollar, that was all backed, um, I think it's like 50 plus years ago. And it was based on the, the deal or the arrangement that the U.S. would provide protection. And in 2021, that alignment shifted to where Saudi Arabia is actually looking to Russia for military cooperation. So I think what this all means to me, and it sounds simple to just kind of say it as this one statement, but it's, I think it shows kind of how we're being viewed. Um, I think it kind of shows where we are. And I don't want to necessarily necessarily say the seriousness of, of the United States of America, but it's almost viewed as, huh, well, you know, what, what are you really going to do about it? Because I would argue without being truly energy independent, what, what leverage do we, do we actually have here, you know, outside of or else? And that's, yeah. there's enough of that kind of going on already. So. No, there definitely is. And, and I actually think this provides us with an interesting way to take sort of our, our heroism slant. You know, typically when guests join me, I ask them, you know, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to them? I ask them what heroism looks like in a business context. We've had a chance to discuss that. And so for us, it's really maybe about thinking about the circumstances that heroes sometimes find themselves in. Um, they, Usually, they're needed most when things are most dangerous and more complicated. Um, and in fact, I went looking to see if I could come up with a specific reference. I'm not a huge comic book person, but I, I know enough to see, like, okay, is there a really well-known moment where Superman had to decide between saving Lois Lane and some other really important character that I don't know what their name is because I'm not good enough at Superman comic books. Um, and I will tell you, you talk about rabbit holes. You want to lose an afternoon, Google something about <laughs> Superman and did this ever happen? There are so many people that are so serious into this world. Uh, but in our situation, we're, we're being forced to weigh options and choose battles. So energy shortages will not only drive up the cost of things, but it could actually disrupt commercial operations. We may have citizens, especially those on fixed incomes, finding mm. themselves being cold. We may have people with limited mobility because they're not able to buy as much fuel as they otherwise would to get around. And yet so many of these energy sources come from places where we have to deal with questionable characters. Mm -hmm. And even if we're not dealing with questionable characters, I would make the argument that, you know, France is a friend, right? But they're depending on nuclear for energy generation, and many countries and companies are trying to move towards more renewable sources of energy. Mm -hmm. So even when you're dealing with a friend, you're looking at the trade-off of, do I get the energy that I need at the price point that I want, or do I stick to my sustainability commitments? It's unbelievably complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I would ask you, how do we, if we were to be heroes, mm -hmm. how can we balance the desire to do the right thing, whether that means working with the right people or staying away from non-renewable sources of energy, but we still have to deal with the need. There are very real needs around fuel consumption and there are risks of higher costs and shortage of supply. How are we going to look at this complicated situation and figure out effectively what to save? 
Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of why nobody really knows right what what, what to do with it. But I um, maybe I'll take a swing at this for any true comic book fans out there. If I get this wrong, I apologize. But I would <laughs> I would look at it as I think the what the situation's kind of calling for uh, is almost like an Avengers mentality, right? Where maybe you were foes in the past. Um, or maybe you still don't see necessarily see eye to eye, but for the greater good um, and for what, whether that's your moral compass or just whether it's dollars and cents for the for the greater good, right? You may need to align align forces there. Um, that that it, it is a really good question, um, but I think right now also we need to really take into account what 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 is what does sustainability truly mean. Um, I, I still don't know that we're necessarily, and this is just my opinion, but I still don't know that we're necessarily being authentic or genuine in the problem we're trying to solve. Um, meaning like, I don't even know that it's truly acknowledged on a, on a broad scale that like, is everybody aware that electricity still majority of that power comes from coal or natural gas, right? And that while hydropower is incredible, well, what happens when we're seeing droughts? like we are on a global scale. And do you turn to solar and wind? Well, I mean, not funny, but look what happened in Texas two years ago. So I think it needs to be, it's going to require, the solution is going to require out of the box thinking um, and essentially putting egos or maybe um, posturing aside for just a moment to really look at the impact to livelihoods and just lives themselves. Because it is like it is a very dire situation. Uh, I mean, and it, if and even if we wanted to look at it as okay, well, maybe this isn't, which I believe it is, life threatening for some. I mean, if you just look at, at the Consumer Energy Alliance said that just next year, um, Americans can expect to pay fourteen point one billion more uh, in winter heating bills this year than they'd over last year. So it's it's a very real situation, and I think again, it's going to take out, outside the box thinking and reaching across the aisle or bridging the gap with maybe those you haven't worked with in the past, kind of like what we're seeing France and Germany do. Yeah, um, I just don't know are they in a position to really provide help or relief. So, and then it's interesting because there are related factors that are outside of our control. Um, mm-hmm. Over the the weekend in the Boston papers, I mean. I've never personally lived in Kansas City, but I imagine it gets cold there. It gets really cold here. And providers started reaching out to clients on fixed incomes six months, eight months ago to try to get them to put plans in place. But now the estimates have begun over how much more are you going to pay Mm. to heat your home this winter versus last winter. And the interesting thing about the estimates is that they range somewhere between, I think, 20 and 50. And the reason for the swing is because we have mild winters and we have brutally cold winters. Mm-hmm. And exactly what the weather ends up doing is going to determine how hard this year is on people. Mm-hmm. If we end up with a mild winter, there'll be some discomfort, right? People may be a little cold or people's mm-hmm. budgets may be a little bit stretched, uh, but that's going to be vastly different than if we have a really cold winter and we end up with that, yes, it costs 50% more. That is an enormous swing that not everyone has the ability to flex and handle. Um, and so even something like the weather comes into play on this. 
Yep, absolutely. And for what for for any Midwestern uh, any any listeners in the Midwest, I did actually look at the uh, far, Farmer's Almanac, and I know it. Actually oh, you did. Supposed, what does it say? Yeah. So for the Midwest, it's supposed to be actually quite frigid. Like it's going to be oh, a no. brutal winter. Yeah, and I I believe don't hold me to it, Kelly, but I believe it was <laughs> heading that way up to the Northeast too. Like it's it's going to be a pretty cold one. I would say the exact opposite of the summers we've all experienced. So. Yeah. Makes me think after we're done recording, we should go stockpile wood. <laughs> yeah, I, I might do that. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chris, it's always so much fun to have you on. I love the fact that we get to take on these really tough topics. We're, we're obviously not going to solve them. That's mm-hmm. above both of our pay grades, but just talking them through and thinking about them and how they affect us personally and professionally and are going to play out mm-hmm. in our supply chains, I, I think is such an important exercise. Absolutely. Um, yeah. For people that have joined us and listened in that might not know you, um, what is something else they should know? What is the best way for them to reach out? Uh, what sort of opportunity to connect do you want to leave people with? Yeah. I mean, so if this is someone's first time listening or not even, you know, if and if I've ever said anything you disagree with, please reach out. I would love to have these conversations. I think information wants to be free. So set it free, share it, have those conversations. Um, and if you wanted to get in touch with me, you know, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. It's just Chris, K-R-I-S, Lance. Um, and then, or you can go to our website. Um, so una, una.com. And if you go to about us, I should have, I think I have a face out there you can click on and it'll get, get you in touch with me. So. That's great, Chris. Well, thank you so much for being back. I will look forward to having you again next month. Awesome. Looking forward to it. See you, Kelly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.